You're listening to a podcast brought to you by international law firm Trowers and Hamlins, combining market sector thought leadership, advice, and ideas, helping businesses and governments prepare for the future. Welcome to Trowers and Hamlins Smart City podcast series. My name is Abhidit Gill, and I'm a partner in Trowers Commercial Team. Today, we're speaking about creating smart cities and the need to tackle the skills gap in order to do so. So I have the pleasure of being joined by Alex Cole. Welcome, Alex. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Alex is the founder and chief innovation officer at Tinsmart's Social, a social innovation consulting business spun out of Capgemini, where Alex was a senior leader, focused on designing solutions which develop smart people, smart business and smart places. He's a co-chair of the Innovation Alliance for the West Midlands Smart City Working Group, a founding industry partner for the National Institute of Coding and a non-executive director at Birmingham Tech Week Community Interest Company. It's great to have you here, Alex. Um, And, you know, that skills gap relevant to all sectors, but particularly relevant to smart cities, because when we talk about smart cities and that agenda, we often focus on the end outcome. You know, be that a a nice new piece of software, beautiful building, a nice new transport uh, infrastructure. But we often forget the need for skills. And you're very vocal about that. Um, Why do you think it's important to focus on that skills agenda? Uh, It's it's a great question. I think um, the... All of the shiny things that you've described, so, mm. so the buildings, the, the things you can touch and feel and, and, and visualize and see, um, uh, hide in some ways uh, what is the, the tangible view of the skills gap. So all of those things happen, usually in isolation of then thinking about, so who's actually going to run that and what is the life cycle of those people mm. um, who initially will, it will be very new to. And most people have gone through change programs, especially technology-based change programs, where they haven't gone so well. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of that is about communication, a lot of that is about just underestimating the size and scale of the challenge. Um, so we have tried to bring that to the, to the front of the queue and, and to the top table in terms of the discussions to say, if we did this at the front end and help, had a skills view uh, from the beginning, it would take less time to mobilize people, to engage people, to um, because once the change gets embedded and is big, really, really large, yeah. and people get the sense of actually they're quite fearful of it, then it is really difficult to uh, overcome that. If they were are part of the change, part of the story from the from the beginning, even the gestation of the solution and the idea, yeah, uh, much easier then to translate. Uh, actually, this is the gap for you. Uh, it's not that big, or it is big, but actually we can chunk it in a way that we can understand with you. So, so it really is about understanding the mission of a lot of these change programs, these initiatives. Mm isn't just about landing the technology or landing the building, it's about embedding it, creating a sustainable model for the future. And ultimately, there usually is a business case that has landed that, which is about GVA, it's about um, uh, revenue, it's about some kind of uplift in, in a mobilization of people and time to generate income. Mm. So in doing so, that is going to translate to people. And. Tell me a little bit more about what you're doing in that space. What are you doing uh, in your capacity to address that skills gap? And what are the outcomes that you're seeing? 
Yes, my focus has been since I was at Capgemini. Um, uh, I, I was privileged to end up working in, with business and the community um, for a year as, on a secondment. Um, it really kind of took me out of my corporate bubble. So at yeah. that point, uh, I was a, a director in a, a, cha- a large change programs across the, the world, yeah. um, working with uh, multiple clients. I thought I understood skills. I thought I understood I was a man of the people. I thought I, I, I got it. Um, what that period of time gave me in, in 2014 was an understanding of really what, it's, what is it like out there for young people? What is it like out there for older people my age yeah. um, who are finding that work is changing? Uh, they've, through no fault of their own in some cases, found themselves in a, out of work and, and in a really tricky position because the technology has moved on or the workplace has moved on. So, so we ended up working um, to create uh, the Digi Sheds. So it was a digital shed. Yeah. A lot of people struggle with that. <laughs> sometimes I do. But it, the idea was a, was that a digital place where things get fixed. The shed being the fixing space. Yeah. The, the digital version of that, and that turned into a physical space in a job centre setting. So in, okay. in South London. Um, so we were offered a job centre um, uh, space to to understand initially long-term unemployed people. So we were given a group, uh, provided access to a group called the Tenacious 200, which were 240 people who had been through everything a job centre could throw at them in terms of trying to... And when did this bit in? 2014, 2015. So so I was seconded for a year, I think it was January 2014 to about February 2015. Yeah. Um, I'm still a a Capgemini then. So so this was, in that context, there were lots of focus on the the job centre of the future, on, Mm. you know, the skills gap and on picking it for different cohorts of different groups of people uh, we wanted to create a pathway for the people who were furthest away so those people yeah. so from a cap gemini corporate social responsibility point of view it was really about just understanding how can we support that how can mm. we help with our um th- th- with that context from where we were starting from so that was my my mission statement if you like from from christine hodgson who was the chairman at the time so so i created a program a pathway if you like a training mm. program over four weeks and then a nine-week support program, so 13 weeks to repurpose people to get back into work. It was pretty successful, so we managed to get over 25% of people back into work, a a, a bigger number uh, into some kind of um, volunteering or other uh, opportunity, which helped them to get back into work. That 13-week period was devoted by um, DWP, because that was the point that they could sign them in uh, through to us. For so so that was why it was ring fenced. So so we learned a lot from that program. We are now running a a much larger program, um, which has uh, been funded uh, locally um, to target five thousand young wow. people, okay. uh, fifteen to twenty four in the Birmingham and Solihull region. So we started that program last year. We mobilised uh, this year, so we are now literally training um, thirty people at a time. Uh, every month and different cohorts of 15 to 24 year olds um, in digital skills. So they are getting skills uh, from design thinking um, up into infrastructure, cloud, understanding that contextually Mm. um, and then understanding how you apply it in a a digital workplace, coding, what does it mean to code, why are you doing it, what what problems are you solving. So lots of uh, work going on around skills but this is about the contextual wrapper that makes it, that turns it from skills to employability. 
Uh, and it's binary for us in terms of job outcomes, mm. which is what we're doing now, is turning them into job outcomes with companies. And we work with a number of companies like Capgemini ServiceNow, others. Yeah, 5,000 is a, an ambitious figure. Yeah. Uh, and how long are you thinking it will take to, to reach that 5,000? Yeah, we, it's a three-year program. Um, so it, it, from 2019 to two, middle of 2022, it's chunked around a group. So the 5,000 was actually picked from 18,000, which wow, is the, group, okay. yeah, the number at the time. Yeah. I think that number's bigger now, of, of, not, of young people who are not in employment, education or training, so mm. neat. Yeah. Um, so that 5,000 was, was actually just a slice, but it was a big enough slice to encourage um, the big enterprise corporates who are thinking uh, they need thousands of people rather than you know twenties and thirties yeah. to to close their skills gap. So so we needed a a big enough number to engage them. Mm. Uh, so that's hence that. So we, we're yes we, we anticipate it's going to be it's ch- it's challenging, but we absolutely believe we we're going to achieve that. And and talking about those challenges, do you think we can ever be ready to tackle the challenge of the skills gap when it comes to creating smart cities? There's you know so much to be done. There's so much that could be done. Uh, in order to make our city smart, but it's all contingent on having the right people with the right expertise. Do you think that we can ever overcome the gap, so to speak? I do, uh, yeah. because I think the gap is confidence. Mm. The gap is context. I like that. So, so, so I really don't think the gap is about technology. If we make it about technology, I, I'm a technologist, if you like. I, I know you are, Amdeep, but you know how fast it's changing. You know, So, so I've been out of a, a, a setting, a consulting setting for three or four years now yeah so so actually that's moved on significantly so the technology will always move on but it, it doesn't I don't feel displaced because I my context and my clarity about the foundation of what's going on is still in place yeah and I'm super confident about what's coming I, I understand there is going to be a period of lack of knowledge if you like or, mm. or, or upskilling that I have to do but that just gets quicker and quicker the more familiar I get with the product or yeah, the, the, the context I'm working in so it is really about giving people the confidence and the context to say right so your city is changing this building is going to change this process that you're you know from you getting to work in the morning mm. you will need to use your phone to access some of those services yeah you're doing that with you know train the train line or, or whatever the, the product is and how you do that can be done actually on your on the move yeah so so that confidence to do that is i think the biggest gap yeah, absolutely. And you exude confidence, Alex, may I say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But I, I do think it's a, it's a mindset thing as well. I, I do think it's fundamental when you're, you're embarking on a challenge. You can either become overwhelmed by it or you can see it for what it is and embrace the challenge. Uh, and I think that is a fundamental aspect of success, actually. I think there's, there's no argument there. I think mm-hmm. mindset um, and establishing that, I, I hear lots of different uh, terms, growth mindsets, uh, you know, yeah. achiever mindset, um, all of those types of things. I think establishing a mindset that enables you to succeed yeah. um, is something that everybody has to or eventually tries to, to develop. Mm-hmm. But I think we can, we can certainly embed that much earlier by removing this fear of failure yeah. and this siloed uh, thinking that we create in schools in the school setting yeah. or in um, a work setting where people feel like they're isolated in their challenges that they are not used to having to to say actually I haven't failed I've just learned something there from not succeeding with that mm. thing that you've asked me to do 
what's the learning from that? How can I turn that into a, a learning opportunity for not just me, but for my colleagues? Because actually I'm the one that's, that's stuck my head above the parapet. But actually there's a whole load of people I know that, that are in exactly the same position. So I do think it is a mindset thing. Yeah. But it is about then creating, again, the context where establishing that growth mindset, that positive mindset, um, is just business as usual. Absolutely. And, and, and does that kind of mindset growth and looking at confidence feature as part of the work that you do in DigiSheds, um, or is it all just practical stuff? It's massively about the mindset and the attitude and the context. That's how we, we built it. Um, so uh, it, it's, we, we partnered with a number of organisations who are very, very good uh, yeah. that space in that space so a, a company called Braith they trust mm. um, who we work with they they work with young people they you know this is what they do they basically almost help repair people who are who are broken in some yeah. cases um, and, and that's at any age but yeah. it's applicable we're so. all broken in some way <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah some some on the outside and some on the inside so uh, so for us it's finding those people who are Broken on the inside in some ways yeah. that, that, that find it difficult to articulate that or to convey that and, and that it comes out in all sorts of different ways. Mm. So we help, we work um, at the front end of our program. We have a, a, a place called Transition where we understand what the aspiration of the person is, where their starting position is and what is their well-being. Mm. So, so we align the training to suit them. So, yeah. so it's trained uh, three days a week from 10 till 2 to, to accommodate childcare and, and, and yeah. people's caring situations. Um, it, but it also then is is intensive for short, relatively short periods of time, where we give them very focused knowledge. But we do spend a lot of time working on that pastoral care, that understanding of how are they doing, how are they feeling, mm. um, and we have people who do that. Yeah. And do you see their aspirations change from day one to the end of the the program? Clearly, I hope that is you know um, one of the the elements of success. I perceive or. Yes, it's a great another great point. So, so yes, that that is one of the most remarkable things. I, yeah. mean, I remember when we were in in South London, that was the first thing I think the job centre saw in, in even in one week. Yeah. So, so you, that most people come up, they're really quite low on confidence. They don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, they're quite bullish about that in some cases, and the transformation um, through the peer group in some cases, but really just some guidance on. Actually, it's a safe place to say certain things, mm. um, and it's uh, it's okay to vent if you like, and then giving them some structure around how to to look at that their challenges. So we use rich pictures, we use lots of different models, to, which you use in a consulting context to help them to understand what well, these are your challenges. These are the challenges that are high value to you and low value to you, mm. and in your gift or not in your gift. So the, the high value things that are in your gift that you should be solving them. But there are some things that you should understand outside of your gift that you will need help. That's what we're here to help you with. Mm. So just helping them to separate that and not beat themselves up about it and not really be down on themselves about, you know, just not being able to solve all these challenges is, is actually a massive part of that. So you're absolutely right. After the journey, you know, mm. we're, we're halfway through a group now who um, I've just spoken to one of the young ladies that uh, is working with us. Um, and she said, you know, I, I thought it was an interesting program when I first started, but I thought it was going to be really technical and digital. She said, the thing that has really amazed me is just how much I've learned. It, I've grown in my social skills and my confidence, Wonderful. which, as you say, is just kind of wow. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what a rewarding thing for, for everyone to be involved in. Well done. You know, that's a, a real 
to be able to enrich people's lives in that way is a very powerful thing to do. So, you know, well done you. Thank you. Thank you. If we can't scale it, though, and yeah. it, across cities and across regions, uh, um, which is my obsession and I know yeah. yours, um, yeah, then I, I think just having these kind of quite isolated, remote successes isn't, isn't really, for me, moving the need and moving the dial. I, I really want to move the dial. And, and talking about that kind of scaling up and... Is there, is there areas of focus that we really need to concentrate on in terms of upskilling in order to satisfy the smart city agenda in a meaningful way? Um, do you think there's real gaps in, say, engineering expertise or coding expertise or um, an understanding of you know the technical requirements of what could make a, a smart city green? You know, do you think there's specific areas that need more investment than others, or do you think it's a kind of pan specialist kind of requirement that you know we look at it in a holistic way, and we're creating people that are you know ready to live and contribute to the society that they're living in? I just wonder if there's real gaps that you're seeing in the broader skills gap. I think the the major gap I'm seeing is is really just going backwards to to my consulting type. So a lot of the things we ended up doing was really under, helping a company understand the where they are now, uh, baselining them against their competitors and, and their aspiration, and then talking to them about their aspiration and articulating that quite clearly. Yeah. Um, so and then giving them a gap analysis, a true a real one, on how long it's going to take them, what it's going to take to get them there. Mm. So if you take that for a city. The aspiration is to be, right, a net zero in terms of uh, their sustainability numbers. Great. Yeah. So, but this is where you actually are in the world. You are a leader, laggard, or somewhere in the middle. This is your gap. Articulating that gap across all sectors, and then joining up the sectors that need to join up. Mm. Because at the moment, you build a house, you don't have to think about the sustainability of it in terms of health or yeah. public health realm or green spaces or all those other things that are not actually in your gift to deliver. So if we can use the regional connections to co-locate some of these solutions so we understand it from a citizen-centric point of view, yeah. which is my point, yes. and you're taking them with you so they're not no longer not confident, they're actually excited about the change Precisely. and they're learning as they go. Yeah. So you're in context. So I, I, I do think, I absolutely feel that the gap is less about individual siloed, of, of, uh, you know, inside each sector. It's actually just the, the thinking, the context uh, and the joining up of things that I think are just, you're just going to repeat, mm. but we could do so much smarter. I think a smart city is about, as we've said, smart people initially. Yeah. Uh, the smart businesses that get together and collaborate with their smart people yeah. to achieve the, the, the theory of change of, smart, of a smart city, which is basically just everybody happy and feeling great about you know, all the tech and all the cool things that we're, we're getting to utilise. Absolutely. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, Alex, and understanding how smart people contribute to smart cities, something that I think does get overlooked in that narrative. Um, so it's great to see that it is being picked up on and you're contributing it and moving people forward. And actually, not only will that we all benefit from that, but those individuals involved really gain so much from the work that you do. So, you know, again, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure and I look forward to seeing more success coming out of the work that you're doing. Thank you for today. Thank you, Amadeep. Thank you, Charles and Hamlin, for the invite. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Trowers and Hamlins. Find us at trowers.com 
and join in the conversation on Twitter at Trowers or find us on LinkedIn and Instagram.